0: All right, Heather, you get to decide what we're doing this week, just like Justin did last week, except I've come up with a way more definitive format this time. Mm -hmm. From now on, when I do this format, this will be what everything means. Okay. So we'll have uh, the letter A, which will represent the game we are playing, will be based, uh, will be the normal game, like a song that kind of fits something in this movie that we're going to talk about type of thing. Uh, A B will be uh, whatever random song that I am currently obsessed with at the moment. A C will be uh, a random like, like fact or trivia type of information. That will most likely be movie-related, but not necessarily movie-related. And then D will be uh, whatever weird thought is on my mind, and we'll discuss it. So, uh, Heather, choose a letter. A, B, C, or D. I added a D this time. There wasn't a D last time. I added a D this time.
1: Okay. Oh, man. These are some good categories, though. I do like this. Um... You know what? Let's go. We'll go with D. It's a new added one. We'll go with uh, what's on your mind.
2: Oh man, there are so many things on my mind. <laughs> I mean, do we want to get controversial
0: with my thoughts? Or do we want to keep it slightly tame?
2: With, uh, with my thoughts for this first round. Oh, mm, it's hard to know what to
1: measure it next to. Um, we'll go tame for this one and
2: see okay. what tame means.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that's been on my mind lately, because I'm on TikTok a lot
2: and a lot of TikTok lately has been people posting clips of, of other people's podcasts. Um, kind of with the theme of men shouldn't have microphones. Because a lot of guys have been going on their podcasts and saying like a lot of dumb shit. <laughs> and, you know, I've never really felt like things like that affect me until recently. Cause I'm like, man, I like talking on a microphone and while I do say
0: some controversial things. My controversial things tend to just be related to
2: movies. Right. But I'm like, man, should I have a microphone? As fuck. I'm just increasing the
0: chances of me saying something dumb. Apparently. Like, for example, there was a guy on like a fitness podcast or something like that recently. He was talking about how his wife's pregnant or about, or I don't know, something like that. And he's talking about how after the baby, like, if she doesn't get back in the gym and get back into shape within like
2: just a couple of weeks of having the baby, he feels like he should just leave her.
3: And this
1: wasn't
2: like him trying to be funny. Nah, nah, he's serious. Hmm. I'm just like, man, a real dumb thing to say. <laughs> right? And then, wow.
0: And then there's all this shit with Joe Rogan lately. Like, have you guys heard all this news with Joe Rogan?
1: I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah.
3: I haven't.
4: What's what's, what has he been doing now?
3: So, well, it all started (laughs) now. (laughs) It all
0: started with him, you know, kind of saying a lot of like misinformation about vaccines and COVID remedies and all kinds of stuff like that. And musicians, because
2: Joe Rogan is exclusively on Spotify. And. So a lot of musicians have started like
0: being like, well, pull my music from Spotify. Like your Joni Mitchells and your Neil Youngs and your Crosby, Stills and Nash. And like a bunch of other people are like, no, like pull my music from Spotify. Some of it is literally has to do with the fact that the number one revenue generator on Spotify is, you know, premium subscriptions. And that's driven by music. But musicians make like 0.0003% of a cent for every like listen they get. But Joe Rogan got $100 million to be exclusively on Spotify. So like, while some were just strictly against the whole message he's going and doesn't want to be associated with it. Some are like, well, I don't want my music that makes me barely any money on your platform funding his whole thing. Easily, so there's lots of like things having to do with that, and hmm. you know, so Spotify's like, well, we're not going to censor him, but we will put a tag on stuff, so it says this might be controversial, whatever, like that. And he came out saying he's gonna you know, apologize. He apologized, but said he'll try to do better about making sure that he gets both sides accurately with it and stuff like that, or that he'll try to do more research. Before he does some of this stuff. Because he'll have some people come on and they'll say some crackpot, like dumbass shit, and he just accepts it. But then he'll have like an actual like doctor on his podcast that is like a virologist, and they're like, and he's like, Oh, vaccines increase the chances of myocarditis in you know people under 18 when they get vaccinated. And the doctor's like, that's true. But COVID itself actually increases the rates of myocarditis in the same demographic more than the vaccine does. So it's still beneficial to get the vaccine because the risk reward is you're less likely to get myocarditis with the vaccine than actually getting COVID. And he's like, no, that's not true. The doctor's like, no, it is. He's like, no, that's not true. And then they look it up and the doctor was 100% right. And the guy's like, well, that's And Joe Rogan's just like, that's not what I read. you're just like, okay, bro, whatever. So he apologized (laughs) and said that he would um, try to do more research and like, make sure that, you know, more information is accurate. But then within 10 hours of him doing so, he posts an article from uh, Reuters. that was like a Japanese study that Ivermectin is great for COVID. And he posts that and he's like, see, bam, I knew it.
2: Problem is, is that article was proven false. 10 hours before he shared it.
0: So it was like more or less a fake news story that he shared as fact that had been proven false before he even shared it. And this is after he apologized and said he'd do better research. So he's already done fucked that up right afterwards.
5: <laughs>
0: and then, so after all this shit is happening, some people get because he's got like, he's been podcasting since like 2009. He is one of the pioneers of podcasting. So they took clips of his podcast throughout the years where he has straight up said the in word And unfortunately, I don't mean like I just said it where I said the words N-word. He said the actual word I am referring to. And it's not like it was like a one-time thing. No, no, no. It's multiple. Just several clips of him saying it over and over and over again. And then, you know, some people jump on there and defend him and they're like, well, you're cutting out the context. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say as a white person, there's very few contexts that you could probably be acceptable for,
2: and none of those were what he was doing. You know, like there's a clip that's gone around wow.
0: with, with with Joe uh, Joe Biden saying that, saying the actual word, but they cut out the context of that was in a congressional hearing, and he was actually quoting somebody. So legally speaking, he had to say it or otherwise it's technically Mm. perjury or false testimony. You know, he had to literally say what was said. You know, I think that's a time that most people Mm, would understand a white person saying that word in that instance, you know. It's, you know, that's a part of congressional testimony. So it had to be said that's fair. Now, is it bad? Is it bad optics on Joe Biden's part? Sure it is. It still looks bad because honestly, he still looks a little too comfortable saying it. Not going to lie. But the actual clip they show of it is understandable. But that's not what Joe Rogan was doing. He's just
2: on his podcast saying some shit.
0: Just dropping it left and right. And then he's also they also came and showed a joke that he's like, oh, well, they take it out of context. And it, they don't really take the joke out of context. And the, the joke was, he's talking, he's telling a story about how him and some friends get in a cab and they were wanting to go see the movie Planet of the Apes. And it was playing at some theater, like, I don't know where, but he was like, hey, tell the cab like, is this a good theater? Like, is this a good part of town? And Joe Rogan, and the cab driver was like, yeah. And so Joe Rogan then goes, all right, let's go there. And they're like, yeah, we're so excited. We're going to go see Planet of the Apes. And then we get out of this cab and we literally walk into Planet of the Apes
2: because we were the only white people there. Wow. Wow. Let that sink yeah, in. Yeah, there's no coming back from that. <laughs> and then what he says. And then in his
0: defense later, his apology, like years later, like that he just gave like a few days ago for that was
2: that he would never mean that as calling black people apes. But that's literally what he said.
5: And then even after telling that story,
2: like even in the middle of telling
0: that story on that episode, of the podcast from years ago, when he's telling that story, he literally says like, kind of has a chuckle and goes, man, that's racist. He says that about his own joke in the middle of it.
2: And then later tries to say it wasn't meant to be racist. Oh boy. Wow yeah
1: so that's like it's kind of like what else would you mean by that (laughs) exactly
0: exactly um like there's just this what else could you mean you know and so like that's one of the other things when they're like men shouldn't have microphones then there's just you know a lot of these podcasts out there where it's like men and it's like oh men talking guy shit but Like, holy fuck, is it just some, like, your standard misogynistic bullshit words, you know? Yeah. Like, what value do women bring to relationships? Like, one guy was, like, literally, he's, like, what do they bring to relationships? Because, you know, I go and I work and I pay the mortgage and I do this and I do that. Like, what, they stay home and they clean? I could pay a maid to do that. I could pay a cook to cook my meals. I can pay somebody to do this, I can pay somebody to do that. He's like, so like a woman really only
2: saves me like six hundred dollars a week. Hmm. Like and then equating that to being what a woman's value is and shit like that. Like I'm just like, fuck, yeah, man. It sounds like it's misogynistic
1: men that shouldn't have a mic. <laughs> You know, like, I mean,
0: that that really is the thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I was going to say, like, speaking as like the only female on this podcast, like, (laughs) I feel like. Yeah, you like, I think we all have very different opinions and thoughts and whatever about things. But it's again, like you said, usually it's about movies or movie themes or whatever it may be. And even when you talk about non-movie related things or any of us on here do, I feel like we're very, very careful about not being disrespectful to people. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's a specific group of guys, apparently, or types of men that are saying these things. It's very, <laughs> it sounds like it's just misogynistic men that need to just shut up because like, <laughs> I've never... I've never had that problem on here but again I don't know I just feel like that's that's like a special group of guys that just like they want to have their voice heard or they just want to actually they just want to hear themselves talk <laughs> like you know what I mean and yeah it's yeah I I agree that they shouldn't have a microphone but just that specific group of guys if that makes sense
0: I mean no that's accurate cuz that really is the problem but that's the thing is like the more like clips and video things or in, 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 in snippets I see. I'm just like, fuck man. Do I need to give away my microphone? I really almost feel like I should. Cause I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's tiresome. And like, and I don't want anybody to think like, I don't want anybody to get this twisted. Cause I'm not trying to say that stereotypical response to anything of, well, it's not all guys. Because I
2: feel like people that say that are also the ones still kind of saying that shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like
0: when women come around and say something like men, men are dogs. There's always that one guy that feels the need to go. Um, not all men are. There are some good guys out here. Like, don't you feel like that guy's
2: probably a piece of shit? Just because he said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i get that yeah no it's um it's interesting like yeah i i feel like yeah
1: i don't know i i feel like definitely um you probably have this thought of like man like they make they make us look bad in a sense. Kind of mentality about it. So, nah, yeah, I, get I
0: don't, it. I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't feel that way just because, honestly, the way I try to live my life and the way I try to like say what I feel and all this other stuff, I tried to, I guess, show that I'm not that way. Like, I don't feel like I need to prove I'm not that way. And that's fair or anything like yeah. that. Cause, like, I don't feel like if somebody legitimately wants to like judge me or take a perspective on me or anything like that. If they take into account what I say and how, uh, how I act and all these other things that they would feel I'm that way. And I, yeah. I, I don't feel like I need to prove that to anybody or, or, you know, or to like stand up, like, I don't want to say stand up against it. Cause I do. Cause it's fucking dumb, but you know what I mean? Like I don't take it to heart when they say that, but it's just one of those things. I'm like, fuck. It, it it could be that I am just every time I talk into a microphone, am I just one fuck up away from just saying the dumbest shit ever?
1: <laughs> no, I, no, that's fair. But no, I, I mean, I wouldn't say you have to worry about it because like even in the in the times when you feel like you might say something that is like misinterpreted or you're like saying it maybe not the way you're trying to. You'll always go back and try to correct it and be like, no, this is what I mean. You know, so I feel like you're not really close to that. But I get like I get the worry, you know, so like I don't
0: know. Is it like I'm just like, is it because it's just it feels like it's so prevalent lately. And I'm just like, are just guys like whenever they run their mouth, does it just happen? Is it in is that in the Y chromosome? (laughs) That the more we talk, just we will start saying the
2: dumbest fucking shit that could possibly cross our fucking brains oh shit
4: Like, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of it just in my opinion, just has to do with uh I think that just people just have a tendency to reveal who they actually are or what they actually think. You know, sometimes it's hard to filter or censor yourself or, um, I guess, conceal what you might really be thinking. It's hard to do that 24-7. It's hard to do that in every conversation. It's hard to do that. You know, I just think that sometimes people are consciously aware of it okay there are certain things i can say and cannot say and stuff like that so there's that part of okay i don't want to curse on this because this is i'm doing this for a kids you know if you're a person who is constantly doing things for media and news and stuff like that just i can speak from the perspective of a wrestler and having to do those things constantly i am I do always have to be conscious of what I say, just because of who I am and what that means. And, you know, it could compromise other things. You know what I mean? So I have to be careful about what I say. And when I say that, I'm not like, I'm not being, I'm not saying things like, well, I'm a closet racist, so I have to make sure to not say racist things because people will then think it's not on that level. I'm not any of those things. But, like, even if somebody were to ask me a wrestling question, like if somebody were to ask me, what do you think is better? Is it Or, or don't you think AEW is better than WWE? I'm not going to be able to give them the answer that they think, you know, I'm going to give them. You know what I mean? I can't look at it that way because that could mean because that what I say could have an effect on what happens to me later. You know, so I have to be kind of mindful of those things. Uh, But that is not always. But even something small like that, that is not always easy to do. And sometimes you just have the tendency when you're talking to certain people. Certain people just have a way of being comfortable, of getting you comfortable, or you get comfortable in a certain setting, especially like when you're just conversing with people, and you might have a tendency to just start saying stuff that you really think, or you start talking about how you really feel about something, or you start expressing yourself, and then all of a sudden... um, People are like, whoa, I can't believe he said that, or I can't believe he feels like that, or I can't believe, but that's just who that person is. So I think the more important thing is because I mean, I'm sure that we all probably somewhere, if you dig deep enough, you'll find something controversial. I've said or something you've said, or you may have an opinion about something that is controversial or could be deemed racist or misogynistic or short sighted, whatever the case may be. I think everybody has the capacity to think or say or maybe even believe those things. But I think the true test of a person is, is. It, 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 when you say something like that, or if that's something that you believe, are you the kind of person to be able to admit, okay, this is a problem that I have, you know, I I do believe this and maybe that is not the way that I should see women, or maybe this is not the way that I should look at this thing, or are you open-minded enough to say that maybe you could be wrong about that, you know? I, I think that... um. Everybody can have the capacity to do those things. I mean, I rem- we've talked about it on here before. Like I used to say, you know, we used to say stuff is gay or this is gay or that is gay all the time. And with that, it was a negative connotation. And that used to just be something so ingrained in uh, just the people we were around at that time and our friends and everything like that, it was just so ingrained in the culture that we were around at that time. We would just say that, you know, we would just say that and think it was funny or we would call each other that or whatever the case may be. And you—and it was kind of done in a negative connotation. But then you grow up, you have some conversations with, you know, some people that are homosexual you you find out um about the other side you you become more open minded you talk to people you have more experiences and then you come to find out man i was wrong for saying that i never should have said those things you know i never should have jokingly said that or done that so i think that there has to be and that's a, and that's just with that but there's, but I said all that to say that I think that there has to be a maturity process. You know, I don't think nobody is right all the time or just capable of this or, or capable of avoiding this all the time. You know, I think the the better way to say it is just that, yes, you could potentially say something like that that's insensitive or short-sighted or anything like that. But when you say that, are you going to stand by that? Or are you going to be man or woman enough to look in the mirror and say, okay, is there another way that I could have thought about this thing? Am I seeing this the right way? You know, should I entertain other perspectives and things like that? Or should I give my opinion and say, this is just my opinion, but this doesn't mean that I'm right or I am correct or I could totally be wrong. And my opinion is capable of being changed. A lot of people don't take that step, though. Like they say things or they say too much or they say insensitive things or they have these beliefs and then they and then normally they they like dig down deep and put their feet in the ground and say, nope, this is what I think. And this is what I believe. Or they say, Oh, I was only joking. Or they, you know, they diminish those things rather than, or dismiss those things rather than really saying that I really being able to admit I am flawed and, this is something I've got to change about myself, you know?
0: No, I mean, that is a really good point there, Justin, because I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. We used to do stuff like that all the time. I mean, fuck like a running joke for a very long time was me calling you gay for whatever reason, you know, and it never ever made sense. It's just what I would do to you constantly. Um, Yeah. And I stopped that because I realized I was wrong. I mean, I did also used to just use it as a word, you know, just to describe something bad. You know what I mean? Like a situation or whatever bad the, in a bad way. And when I was working at a restaurant, I got called out for doing that by a gay coworker. And I did try to defend myself. Be like, oh, no, obviously I don't mean that it's a bad thing. And he's like, but you're saying it's bad. Like you're using it. And like I did try to
2: defend myself in that conversation. And then it's like you said then you have to have that self-reflective moment.
0: And you have to either yeah. acknowledge that I was wrong or like you said, dig your heels in and go, no, fuck that noise. I'm going to do it anyway. And, you know, fortunately, I had at least enough self-awareness to go, oh, I was wrong. And I have I have since stopped doing that. I mean, and it's been years since I've done anything like that. And yeah, it's like you said, Justin, it's whether or not you're willing to accept responsibility and accept being wrong and changing it. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's a a conscious thing. You have to like, I had to consciously remove that, that verbiage out of my, my speech, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and things like that. Like, But it was something I wanted to do because I don't have anything against homosexuals in any way, shape or form. So why would I want to use something that is derogatory towards them, even if it's not directed towards them or anything like that? So it's like a conscious effort that you have to make. And I've I've made that effort and I've been successful with it. And but yeah, it's one of those things. And it's also going back to what you were saying about the comfortability of stuff like. You know, I've, pro- I've made some jokes I shouldn't have made on this podcast and stuff like that. Like, I have joked about sexual assault on this podcast. I guess the one benefit of it is the fact that I was referring to my own and not to the situation in general. So, like, should I have made those jokes? No, but it's kind of more or less, we're sitting here, we're talking, it's we're going for three fucking hours. So we're getting you know, all loosey-goosey, you know. Uh, so I've made some of those jokes and, and like I said, I, I would never make fun of at this point. I would, I would never make fun of somebody else's sexual assault or anything like that. I do feel like it's still technically okay. If I do my own, cause it's a coping mechanism. Let me do it people. Um, but no, I get that though. That's that, that those types of jokes happen when we're recording for a very long time and you just get comfortable at that point and you say dumb shit.
2: I mean at least yeah. like I said my dumb and shit is at least at my expense.
4: Yeah, and I think for a lot of people the natural reaction is to go into defense mode and say no, I am not this person or I don't mean it that way or I'm not meaning to I'm not saying this because I'm racist or I'm not doing this because I'm homophobic. But then like you said but then you start really d- diving into it and then you're like, OK, well, what what else could this mean? Why do I have to joke like this? You know what? what If if it did, if this person would take that as homophobic, then and I say I'm not homophobic, why then this shouldn't be OK for me to say You know, like it's, but I think that most people's initial reaction is to be defensive. Like, why are you, you know, I said this on, um, another podcast that I was on. People need to start asking more inner questions when it comes to this kind of stuff before they ask the outer ones, like before you lash out towards the group or whatever the marginalized group or whatever the, the the subject matter is and say, why are they angry? Why would they think that I'm being racist? Why are they angry about this? Why are they doing this to me? I think what's more important is to ask those inner questions. You know, am I part of the affected group? Do I, can I, uh, can i really understand this affected group you know if if the if if the if the homosexual population is saying that this is a derogatory term towards us i'm i have to first the, the first question i should be asking is okay do i can i really understand that am i a homosexual can i understand it on that level um with them well, the answer is no, because I'm not homosexual. So then the next question needs to be is okay, how can I gain some perspective? You know, what can I learn? Can I learn more about this? Can I talk to somebody in the homosexual community about this? Is there something I could do? You know, I feel like if you start asking more inner questions, You will probably make a better decision than that person who automatically jumps to the outer ones. Why are you doing this to me? You know, normally the inner questions lead you to better actions, you know, and and it leads to you taking responsibility because there's responsibility in those questions, you know,
0: No, that's completely fair.
4: When you start asking, when you start asking, what am I doing? What, what could I do? What should I be doing? Is there more that I could do? Is there, a, is, you know, is this really affecting me or is it affecting somebody that I know? How can I, when you start asking those questions, that's, those questions lead to responsibility that, the on you, you know?
3: Yeah, and it, the,
2: and also I've found that a good rule of thumb is: is if somebody calls
0: you sexist or racist or homophobic or something like that and you feel like you need to defend a specific action or
2: like word or something you just used or just did, it probably was one of those things. Like very, I've never been accused of being racist. You know, like, and that's probably because I don't use racist language.
0: I'm just throwing that out there. Like I don't use racist language. I don't use, I I don't act in a racist manner. So nobody's ever called me racist. You know, like I found that very easy to do. Like. You know what I mean? Now I have been called homophobic and like we just talked about, and that was because I was using homophobic language, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, looking back on it, that was a completely fair assessment of what I was saying. Now, did I feel like that was true to me? No, but because to me, I wasn't. But the thing is my words and actions were making somebody feel like I was from that community because of what I was saying. So as far as they were concerned, there's no reason to believe me when I'm sitting there saying, no, I'm not
2: homophobic. Like I was just using homophobic language. So, you know, yeah. There's a reason yeah. why I was called out on it. That's that. And that's completely fair and valid. Cause I was wrong. You know?
4: Yeah. And some things are deep rooted and like very subtle, like they're so just ingrained in our culture and the people we're around and things like that. Sometimes you really have to dig deep to find those things and to realize those things. You know, sometimes you you don't realize the way you're, you may be treating women. You, you may be showing misogynistic, you may have some misogynistic problems. But until you really step back and see how you treat women, how you look at them, how you view them, different things like that, then it starts to become more clear. Oh man, I do have this problem, you know? But sometimes it takes some digging to even get there. You can be that way and not even realize because it's just so natural for you to say and think and be a certain way. That you don't even realize that that's what you are until you take a good hard look you know at what's happening and and everything like that and and that's why and like kind of like this movie that we're about to talk about like there's a lot of things that are so ingrained in the way that we that, that, yeah. You know, over time that we have viewed women, treat women, look at women, different things like that. There are so many of those things for a man that we have just been taught over time that even when we think we might be defending a a a, a woman's honor and that's a manly thing to do, we still may not be really attacking the problem.
2: Oh, yeah, you
0: that's know. very fair. That's very fair. I mean, so, but even going back to what you were talking about just a second ago with that, like, and I mean, and I know, Justin, I know what you, you know what that's like. And I don't know if it was the same for you in Dallas, Heather, but we're all from the South. Uh, when you were talking
2: about, like, you have to look deep into some of these things, like, do you know much, like, coded ass fucking language? That I personally grew up around not knowing what the fuck it was. And
0: then having to learn that and being like, oh, fuck. Never need to use that word again.
2: Mm -hmm. Like, and you just
0: don't even know. Because that's, you know, kind of just the way you're talking. Like, you've been told to, like, to speak. You know, like, those are just the words you pick up as you go. And then you're like, "Oh, fuck, that means this i that's highly unfortunate, and I need to stop using that as soon as possible,
3: yeah, yeah,
0: and you just don't like you don't even really realize it, you know,
2: like oh man, yep, and it's just so common, so common in the South like."
0: I used to hear this phrase and I didn't know what it meant for a little while. Cause I mean, I was young and dumb and naive, whatever, but like, uh, you know, that you'd like talk about going somewhere in, in town. And they'd be like, Oh, you know, I don't go to that side of town. It gets, it gets a little too dark over there for me.
2: And I didn't know. I
0: didn't <laughs> like, I legitimately I, like, it, I don't know if I was naive or stupid or what, but like, I legitimately was thinking like, oh, yeah, they probably don't. They don't have a lot of streetlights over there.
2: It's true. Streets are dark. And that's not what they meant at all. And then whenever you (laughs) finally realize what
0: they mean, you're like, oh, they's just being racist. Oh. Oh. And then it just all this other shit starts to click. And you're just like, oh, I should have known that. I did feel dumb whenever I realized what they were saying when they said that. I'd heard that several times in my life and n- it never clicked what they meant. Cause I was,
2: cause, like, cause that's
0: not what I thought. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the way I thought about right. it. So it didn't click that that's what they meant by it.
2: Like, I just, like I said, took them literal and shit. You're like, oh. don't you hate that you realize people are
0: racist that you didn't think were you're like, Oh man, you're a hell of a racist.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. I mean, I don't know why I asked that. Of course, Justin's been through that. You grew up in where you grew up. I won't name yeah. anywhere.
4: I mean, I'm in, <laughs> I mean, I'm grown up in middle of Texas. Of course I've experienced it. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. Uh, aha, we beat it last
0: time. We beat last episode's record of this. So this is... Yeah, we did. That was the, this, the new version of the game. We're going we're gonna to play a game out of the game to then play the game. But it was a fun little conversation. Glad so we got to have it. Let's, yeah. Let's it hear was. that music now.
1: Nobody else
4: listen to me? Nobody knows anything but you. All right.
0: Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And... Tonight, we will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the Ridley Scott film, The Last Duel. That's right, the same Ridley Scott film that he said millennials were too busy on their phones instead of watching this movie. Like I said, we will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between. We will go spoiler free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. So with that, uh, since you are the first person to bring this movie up on the podcast, well, I don't know if you're the first person, but you're the first person to see this movie on the podcast. Uh, Justin, what are
2: your uh, spoiler-free thoughts about this here movie?
5: Yeah.
2: Oh, Ridley. Oh, Mr. Scott.
4: <laughs> like, uh, man, it's it's not like it's the worst thing I've heard a celebrity say or anything like that. But man, it's just, just so out of touch, and it's it just a bad makes taste you go. In your mouth. Yeah, it's just a bad taste of your mouth. You know, you're just disappointed. He said something like that. You know, you're not angry. You're just and, disappointed. And, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not mad that he was like, you know, it, but but it just sucks any time you hear somebody blame the audience. That's uh. <laughs> you just hate that, that he took that stance. I I, I mean, and, and he had another movie that came out that the same year that did better at the box office that Gucci, what was
0: it called? The house of Gucci
4: house of Gucci. Yes. And apparently that did a lot better than, uh, the last duel. Now I can't, speak from, I haven't seen the movie but apparently that did okay so you know, maybe you know, you had two different movies, one was a little more successful than the other so maybe you can look at some things and say okay, maybe it was you know, maybe it was the timing maybe the timing of release, these other movies came out, I want to say Eternals came out at the same time that The Last Duel came out and stuff like that, you know, plus, I don't know COVID You know, there are just less people watching movies anyway. Like there are other things to explain why (laughs) people didn't see your movie um, other than the audience. You know, I I, I don't know. I just don't like alienating your audience because then that might just motivate less people to see it even when it comes out on streaming. Because they're like, oh, well, he blamed me for his movie bombing, so I'm not going to watch his movie. And all that is unfortunate because despite the ramblings of what is an 84 year old man at this time, um, I do like this movie. So I'm mad that he said things like that because I wish he hadn't taken that stance. I wish he had, you know, redirected the conversation to try to help. Maybe sell the movie. Well, maybe it'll do better on streaming or maybe word of mouth. You know, it's 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 got good reviews. So maybe word of mouth. Maybe we'll see an an uptick and a more of appreciation for it, even though they didn't appreciate it at the box office. You know, maybe they need me. They need me to kind of they need me there like whispering in their ear, like Ridley. Don't don't have an emotional. Don't say what you don't don't just say something emotionally. Why don't you say this? Say this instead. I promise you, it'll go a lot better, you know, than what you're thinking right now. But, but all that being said, I do think that this is a good movie. Um, really, Scott um, is a very good director, um, and that might even be putting it mildly. He's made a lot of good movies that uh, some movies that I love. I mean, Alien, Blade Runner. Um, Gladiator, I thought was very good, just to name a few of his and that's just a few of his movies he's made a lot of really good movies uh, American Gangster, he directed that, I thought that that was a very good movie, like Ridley Scott is a good director you know, don't don't get it twisted I didn't like his his language there, but don't get it twisted he's a good director, and this is a good film, and so it sucks that, um you know, more people didn't go see this, you know, um, because I do think that this is a good movie. I think that the, the, the story structure that they, they decide to go within this movie is effective, though there are some flaws with it. I th- they do think that storytelling wise, there may have been a, a better way to have formatted it or done it. But, but for the most part, the, the 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 way that he does the story, hearing different versions from the different, seeing the story told from different uh, viewpoints or perspectives, points of view from the different characters involved. I thought ultimately does wind up being effective, even though I didn't like every bit of it. I do think ultimately it winds up being effective for this story. Um, I think that the the that the film is well acted. I think that everybody showed up for this movie and definitely the the standout is definitely Jodie Comer. I mean, she's fantastic in this as Margaret. Um especially when you get to the latter part of this film. I mean, she's amazing it it was excellent the the nuances and the things that she does from the, the the different versions to kind of showcase what the perspective is of another character is great there were a lot of there was a lot of nuanced acting that she was doing and I thought that she uh absolutely nailed it but she's definitely the standout in this um at times I think this movie is hard to watch you know there are a couple of scenes in this where uh i don't know if you know there will be some people that will find it uncomfortable and unsettling but you know but but coming from my perspective i almost feel like those it, it almost has to be like because of the subject matter and what we're dealing with i think um even though certain scenes might be a little uncomfortable for some i do think it winds up being necessary for the subject matter and what we have here. And ultimately, um, even though this is a story about one of the 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 last duels that they ever did. Um, yes, one of the last um, recorded trials by combat that that they had um, in those times. So, yes, that is actually historically accurate. It was one of the last few times that they did this. So even though the story is about that um, and about the events leading up to that, I do think that there's also this layered story and message about a lot of pertinent things that are going on today. And I won't say too much now. I'll get into more detail in the spoilers. But I do think that it winds up being not even though it's a movie about something that happened more in medieval times. It it winds up being very timely uh, about today. You know, there's a lot of stuff in here about um, misogyny, toxic masculinity, um, different things like that. Um, You know, I think that there are some parallels to kind of some things that we're going on in society right now, as far as the Me Too movement and different things like that, and hearing the side of victims and different things like that, and um, just all of the. all of the difficulties that come with that, uh, even though this is a, a story about something that happened in medieval times, the parallels can definitely be made. And I do think that this is one of those movies that is memorable. It has some great scenes. There, there are even some good action sequences. Um, dare I say, great ones. One, one that is probably great, very memorable. Um, and ultimately it's topical and I think it does say something beyond it being just what the story is. So yeah, even though I don't like uh Ridley Scott's reaction to people not seeing this, I, I will say in support of him though, that I am I, I'm I'm upset that more people didn't watch this because I do think that he did make a good movie here that is worth
3: seeing.
2: Heather, what about you? Justin, I think
1: you made an interesting point when you talk about sort of the format of this film. Because I, I agree. I mean, it was interesting how they did it. Because this is very much a story of what actually happened in the situation. A he said, she said situation. And you're getting to see the different perspectives from the different people on what's happening. I think it's interesting. And there are parts to it where I'm like, "Eh," you know, like this could have been done differently. But then for the most part, I'm like, I don't really, I don't know of a better way that they could have really done it to tell the story they were trying to tell. Like, it might not have been a perfect way to do it, but I don't really know of a better way that I can think of to do that. You know what I mean? Like where they wanted to share every person's perspective of these relationships and the situations, circumstances surrounding things and what happens, you know, and ultimately it just, I, I do think that it made for a very interesting um, aspect of this movie, even though I also agree though, that it's like, I mean, parts of it, you're like, okay, we could do without that, you know, like having to rehash like a scene every time, but at the same time, Maybe we did need that, you know, it, so it's it's an interesting sort of conflicting feeling I have about how they formatted this movie. I would say I mostly enjoy it, but I completely get what you mean about like, <laughs> you know, they could have if they could have done it a better way, they should have done that. But I just can't think of what that way would have been. Um, I do agree. I think the acting is phenomenal. Jodie Comer is amazing in this. I agree. I think she she just really killed this movie, you know. Um, and I don't I'm, I'm just kind of bummed out she didn't get some kind of like award or, you know, acclamation or anything for what she did here because she was so good. Um Yeah. That's but, unfortunate. Yeah, it is. But I mean, and everybody was. I mean, you know, Adam Driver is phenomenal anyway, and Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, you've got all these really great, you know, actors. And So, yeah, it is kind of a bummer (laughs) that there's not more um, recognition, I suppose, for this film. But, um, you know, I I did enjoy it. I think it was a really well done movie. Um, The story is interesting. I really did want to know what was happening, what was true, what was real, you know, who's fabricating and who's telling the truth. And something that I love about the movie is that, you know... I don't know if this is really spoiling or whatever, but it's like, you, you. there's a lot of things that aren't really answered for you. You know, like you see all the different aspects of it and each uh, perspective that you see, you're just like, oh, you, you, you're seeing something completely different than the other person. And so there's a lot of things that don't really fully get answered. And I think that that was kind of cool because then it really is, it's one of those where a lot of it is kind of left to, you know, what did you think was the truth about certain things? And I think as much as I'm just like, man, sometimes I want them to just tell me what actually is the truth. I think they did this in the right way where I'm like, hmm. you know, like <laughs> it just leaves so much up in the air in a way that makes you think though. Um, and I do think it is relevant to a lot of things happening today. I think it touches a lot on just the, Lack of value placed on women and their well-being back in the day, if you will, um you know, and just sort of the um, i guess the what surrounds what like what rape is and what the crime of rape is, and the I guess the mentality and the mindset of the men back then of you know, why was this actually wrong when it was, you know, just a very completely skewed perspective of why that was something that people should be upset about. And it it brings up a lot of really interesting points of view about that. So I I think it was a very interesting, it was a good movie. It was very beautifully shot. Ridley Scott is a very good director. Um, So yeah, I am kind of bummed out. More people didn't see this movie, but again, He shouldn't have said what he said, but it is a very good movie. Um, It's actually probably up there for me as from the from the ones I've seen of him. This is probably up there for me as one of my favorites that he's done. Um, I just really yeah, I enjoyed how they told the story and what the story was. And it's just like it's not a story I've heard before. And uh, it was just really kind of interesting to see it played out
2: how it was. So, yeah, I think this was a really good movie. This movie is kind of a weird problem for me. Because I don't think the story should have been told in the format it was. I think a better way of doing it. Because it is interesting to see these different perspectives. But I don't
0: think it's an interesting way of doing it. When you essentially watch the same movie in a row three times. And then you get the collective ending.
2: Because it, it's really taxing to do it that way. And so I think the better way to have done it would be to take these, these parts. And
0: if you're going to separate it into chapters, which I forgot to mention this when we did Lamb. What the fuck is with people doing movies doing chapters? Dear God. Or the dog did it. Lamb did it. This movie did it. What? What is what? Chapters in a movie, anyway? You have each chapter be about a certain aspect of the timeline, and tell all three stories simultaneously through it. Cut back and forth between the different stories. Whatever, something like that. Don't tell the whole story from A to B from point of view A. The whole story from A to B from point of view B. Like the same for point of view C. That makes it long.
2: That makes it tedious. That makes it... The pacing feel horrendous.
0: You know? Because you, you, you know where certain points of these storylines are going to intersect. You know? And sometimes it's unique and interesting to see how the different perspectives perceived these set events, those specific events where they intersect, but not enough to do the whole movie like that.
2: Because it it, it drags on when you do it like that. And I, I, I
0: think that that was the biggest misstep with this movie because I do agree with you guys. The story itself is interesting. It's a beautifully shot movie. It's an amazingly active, uh, acted movie. Um, What's her name? You guys both said it, but I can't remember it. Uh, Dodie Comer. Yeah, she was great. And I expected her to be great because she's also great in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Killing Eve, the TV show on AMC. She's great in that show. She can act. She's phenomenal. So that was not a surprise really to me, but it was just great to see her do it in a different way. You know, everybody was great in this movie. I mean, Ben Affleck's weird, like Wig was weird, but his acting was fine. <laughs> you know, I don't stand that look for
2: him. But that's a whole other <laughs> <Agree>. story. Um, <laughs> but it's just the the storytelling in this movie to me was the biggest hindrance for the whole movie. And and maybe
0: there wasn't a better way to tell this story. Maybe the way I was describing to tell it wouldn't have worked and maybe it was more of a mess. And so they chose to do it in linear sections and do it that way. Maybe that's why, but when I'm watching this movie, it's the storytelling was the biggest hindrance to this movie. And all I could think of is while I'm watching this movie and dealing with these narrative issues, or not narrative issues, these storytelling issues that I'm dealing with, I put that firmly on Ridley Scott. And then all I'm thinking about is really, motherfucker, this was the movie you wanted to die on that mountain hall, like Mountain Hill for? Because it's a fine movie. And like I said, but the biggest problem with it was to me, Ridley Scott's storytelling with it. And I'm like, and this is what you want to fucking attack us for. Is that.
2: Mm. I don't think this this was the right movie to do that with. (laughs) Because also.
0: Say the Eternals didn't come out this weekend. Say this was the only one that came out this weekend or that weekend that it came out and all kinds of stuff this type of movie isn't
2: going to typically be a box office success. You know, it it happens every once in a while, but medieval period piece dramas aren't always the best moneymakers. Yeah.
1: I think you had said it before where it's kind of like, well, who specifically was this movie made for? Right.
2: Like, and I think that might be the biggest problem with that. Yeah, I just, I don't know who you're going after, really, because this isn't a movie. I mean, I don't want to say
0: this isn't a movie for millennials, because it is like because Millennials are your, your kind of
2: biggest demographic going right now. So, of course it is. But like, I just, I, I don't see like who you're really mad at. Like, who are you really mad at, Ridley Scott?
0: Because I think it's just misplaced anger, and he doesn't know who to be mad at. Or he doesn't want to be mad at who he's actually mad at. You know, like, it's just, it it makes no sense. I think if House of Gucci bombed, sure, blame millennials, because that's got Lady Gaga and you know. And that is more of a, like, a subject matter millennials Would traditionally be more interested in. So that makes more sense. Because it's also the aspect of true crime. And who, you know, in those aspects of it. You know. Like, I've seen a couple of different datelines. Over that Gucci, you know, the Gucci murder. And stuff. So, you know, that makes, that that's kind of a little bit more. Of a target towards a millennial demographic. Because what do we love? We love ourselves some true crime. and We love us some Lady Gaga. I get it. It's wrapped up in a bow for us.
2: But I just. Who are you mad? Like. I This isn't the movie to get mad at millennials for. For failing. This isn't it.
0: And I don't think it's good enough. To get mad at people for it bombing. In the movies. Because. Like Justin said, there's also a billion other reasons why this movie might not have been successful. You know,
2: you were going up against a Marvel release. Uh, On top of a global pandemic. Like, it makes sense. Also, I think this movie just came out in, like, October. Like, I don't know. I just feel like when I want to go to the movies in
0: October, don't you kind of feel like you want to watch a horror film in October? (laughs) Yeah. Like a medieval drama. That's a November movie, not an October movie. Get mad at your marketing team.
1: I mean, and thinking about it too, like the way they format this, if it was like a mini series, it would have been formatted fine. So I kind of get what you mean. Like, I, I again, like, it didn't bother me as much as it does you, but, yeah, like, if it was, like, a miniseries, the way they paced it and format it would have been better in that way. Like,
0: this movie is interesting, you know? I Like I said, I like seeing the different perspectives and how, like, I like how it highlights how people perceive things differently. You know, and I'm not even talking about the main conceit of this movie, which is the rape scene. But I'm talking about like the little things like the way Matt Damon's character perceived how he treated his wife. Right. Versus how she perceived him and how she treated him or he treated her. You know, those types of things. That was the most interesting thing to me. Were those little bits of how they perceived specific situations differently. Yep. Like that was fascinating. You know, like you go through the whole Matt Damon story and he's like Legree's like, "Oh, you saved my life." And Legree's like, "Oh, this it's it's wrong that they did that to you, but unfortunately, you know that's the way it is." And then he, you know and he's like, "Oh, of course you'll be the the general of the Belmere or whatever the fuck it was. All that stuff. And then, you know, you get into LeGree's story and LeGree saves his life instead of it being the other way around. And every chance Matt Damon took or like had, he took shots at him no matter what. And so, like, I really liked those perceptional differences. And I thought it was fascinating. But my problem is, is I knew this movie was long and I don't necessarily have a problem with its length.
2: Except for the fact that the first two-thirds of this movie you see three times. And that's weird. That they tell the first two-thirds of the movie three times. And then it,
0: like, that's, it, it makes the movie feel long. And it is, it is legitimately long, but it feels long. There are long movies that don't feel long. This one does. But I will say this, the story itself is fascinating and interesting enough to keep you attentive through it. I just don't think it should have been as much of a chore to get through it
2: than what it was. Because yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, because there's a lot of, of, of shining things in this movie. It just, I'm not going to watch a movie to be
0: the, the diamond miner that's mining my way to those diamonds.
2: I want to be at Tiffany's and you just show me the diamonds. Show me the shiny shit. Don't make me work for it. Because it was there. And like I said, it's just, I constantly kept thinking about everything he said about me as a millennial.
0: The entire time I'm watching this movie, that's also distracting you're like because this movie was still in theaters when he said all that shit he knows it's gonna go to streaming shit, and then who the fuck's gonna watch it once it goes to streaming? Millennials that's what the fuck we do. We watch shit on streaming shit. that's what we do.
2: That is why there are like nine thousand streaming services now because we stream shit. And he he gave us a bad taste before we watched the fucking movie when it comes on streaming shit. It's just fucking dumb. And it distracted me at parts of this movie. Because I was thinking about that shit at times.
0: Like fuck, that is the weirdest thing. Justin, you need to go be his Jiminy Cricket, man. You really do. I liked that idea. You'll be this man's journey.
4: I'm telling you. you. Like, yeah. And see, I kind of had a different perspective because I saw it in theaters and hadn't heard about his comments yet. And so, you know, I just watched it without thinking about him necessarily just was, you know, just enjoyed the film. And then when he said that afterward, I was like, man, Ridley, now nobody's really going to watch it. And so I was kind of mad. So I was kind of mad that he said it because I did enjoy the movie. But even still, I was like, man, you're going about this the wrong way, man. And I mean, I only caught the movie because of some advertisements and stuff I saw online. I didn't really see it much on TV. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm just on TV all the time, but, you know, I was watching football. I was watching a lot of football. So I'm, you know, I'm and sometimes I've got the TV. I work from home. The TV is usually just on and just, you know, I mean, I'd be looking at it, looking at it, but it's on. And I don't remember seeing a whole lot of last dual advertisements or anything like that, you know, um, the, the the reason why I went to see it was because I saw, oh, Matt Damon and, you know, Adam Driver. I'm a fan of those two. So I was interested in it to just for that, you know, I, I wasn't even really going because of Ridley Scott, even though, you know, I, I like some of his films. That wasn't my driving point to go, you know, but but I barely caught anything about this movie. I barely caught wind of it. And I didn't even think. And then I thought it was a limited release. I had heard so little about it. So I was like, man, it's probably not even going to come to Midland. And I was shocked when it did come. (laughs) You know, then come to find out it's actually a wide, it was a wide release. And so I'm like, well, man, dude, like, you know, why wasn't this marketed better?
0: You know? So, like, when when you watched this movie, was it like you went over to a friend's house and they made some pancakes? You ate the pancakes. You're like, man, these were some good pancakes. And they're like, oh, thanks, man. And then, like, two weeks later, they're like, hey, Justin, you want to know what's great about those pancakes? And you go, what's
2: that? And they go, I put shit in them. You're just like, man, why'd you ruin those pancakes? Why would, (laughs) hey, why
0: would you do that in general? Why would you do that? And two, Why are you telling me this much later after I already said I liked them?
3: Is that kind of how you felt, (laughs) Justin?
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a weird analogy, but I guess it kind of (laughs) works.
0: See, and I kind of felt like when I was watching this movie, like I was going to a restaurant that was famous for their delicious ass shit pancakes. I'm like, man, everybody says they're good, but they're still shit pancakes. I don't know if I want to eat them. And everybody's like, no, you have to eat them. They're world famous. They're delicious. Michelin stars, all kinds of shit. Certified tasty ass food. But they're shit pancakes. I knew it. I had to try them because everybody said, like everybody I know that saw the movie said it was good.
2: Like, I don't actually know of anybody that saw the movie and said it was a bad movie. but I was just like, I, I was soured on it. You know, and it made me not want to watch it. And then, you know,
0: nothing else was coming the fuck out this week. So we're like, fuck it, let's do it. It's on HBO Max, so I watched it. And I'm glad I watched it because like it's,
2: it's not a bad movie at all. There is a lot to like about this movie, a lot. But then you know, just yeah, you get that that you know. Then you get that that re- that remembrance of, oh man, but the shit in it called Ridley Scott. Damn it!
4: Yeah, yeah. We? and it just puts me in such a weird place because I understand his anger for people not going to see it because like we've said, it is a good movie. So I can understand his anger, but the way that he reacted and went about doing it is the problem. You know? I mean, I,
0: I think that to truly be fair to a movie, you kind of got to give it like a year because there's going to be the theatrical release. And then there's going to be the streaming release. You got to take both of those into account these days. Now, I know studios really only care about that box office. But I think to truly measure the success of a movie, you do have to take some of that stuff into account. You know, it might have, it might make 20 million for its entire release in box office, which might suck.
2: But it might be trending on Netflix for five weeks in a row. That's, there's something to be said about that, too. You know?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So. Because I think it's a lot easier to have cult classics now.
0: Because it might do shit in the box office and just be a must-watch on streaming
2: you know like mhm yep and that should matter these days but oh no uh recommendations and scores yeah yep recommendations and score. uh heather go
1: yeah i recommend it um Yeah, while I I don't think that the pacing was the best, again, like I couldn't think of a better way to do it. Um, The way that you said Sterling does also make sense. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I didn't think of it in the moment, but yeah, that would have actually worked well, too. But yeah, as much as that might have been a little bit of like a distraction and it wasn't necessarily the best part of the movie, um, it wasn't enough to keep me from saying this is not worth watching um it is long it it's going to feel a little bit slow at parts because you're going to feel like you have seen the same thing um a couple of times because <laughs> you have but i think the different perspectives and um yeah the different perspectives of the characters and how they're perceiving the situations and the relationships is really really an interesting aspect of this and the acting is really phenomenal And yeah, it's a story that I had not heard before and it's an interesting story. So I definitely think this is worth watching at least once and, um, you know, just kind of just seeing something that's a little bit different, you know? Um, and yeah, like you, like you guys said, like, it's not at all a bad movie. Like even in spite of those obvious flaws that it might have, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a good movie. It really is. So I think it is definitely worth watching. But again, as Jess sort of mentioned too, there's going to be a lot of really hard and difficult things to watch in this movie. So just be be warned of that going into this movie that there's going to be some really hard scenes to watch. But I, I do recommend it. I'm going to give it... Um, hmm. I'm going to give this movie... Um, seventy-five. No, I'll give a seventy-eight. Awkward dinners
2: with your mother-in-law and estranged husband out of a hundred. About you, Justin?
4: Yeah, I recommend it too. Um, even though Ridley Scott was probably, and you know, sometimes man, you get into these media interviews and stuff, and they're trying to they're trying to rile you up, they're trying to get a rise out of you. They're trying to get you to slip up and and give a too comfortable answer or get you to say something out of, you know, the, the the whole purpose is to try to get an emotional response out of you. So, you know, if you're talking to a media interviewer and they're like, well, your movie bombed. So what do you have to say about that, Ridley? Well, yeah, you might, <laughs> you know, you may just say the first thing that comes to your head and it may not make any sense. I, I do i may i kind of feel like maybe that was what happened here. He was on the spot asked why did your why did your movie fail really? why did it fail and that that's the answer that we got but despite him, you know i wanna be objective and fair to the film you know I don't want that to i'm not gonna what he said is not going to impact the score that I give this because then I feel like that is unfair to the film and the execution of the film itself. Now, unless something he said had to do with, uh, obviously, the film and stuff like that and the the, the execution and the making of the film. So I, I can separate the two. I can compartmentalize it. So despite what he said, I do recommend this. This is a good movie. Um, I just think it's, uh, you know, my problem is not with with the pacing or the story, the way that they decided to do to tell the story it's not really with I think that the last half of the film is excellent like or at least the when you get to Margaret's version of events all of that her version and then the lead into the ending is magnificent wouldn't change a thing about it I think that the first two versions though Matt Damon and Adam Driver's versions, uh, Legree and Corobes, courageous, Corobes. What have you say it? I'm going to say courageous. Um, their two versions do feel repetitive. There's it it, it feel it felt almost too repetitive. So I don't know if I would have completely changed the format of this movie, but I may have chosen to, to, to maybe have some different scenes in there, like maybe done some things differently with the order of the scenes or how they were done so that they didn't feel so repetitive. I think that that's the problem for me. It wasn't the, the material per se. I just felt like, by merit of what this story is, those two versions were kind of repetitive. But when it got to Margaret's story, her part of the story, I liked all of it. Like I was loving it, actually. I actually love the latter part of this film. Um, I thought all of that is like great. I wouldn't change a thing about it. So yeah, it's a good film. So so overall, that... You you get through those narrative sort of problems there at the beginning. But what you wind up getting is, I think, a story that comes together very, very nicely and definitely has something to say. And I appreciate it all of it. So and I do think it's worth a watch, you know, despite what he said, you know, watch the film. It's streaming right now on HBO Max. I think you, you'll watch it. I think you'll appreciate it. And I think you'll get something out of it um i'm going to go with 85 um
3: i won't say that uh we'll go with 85 uh we'll just say uh
4: 85 black stallions <laughs> um trying to uh soil your uh money makers out
3: of 100 oh my word Um,
0: so Justin I do have a quick question for you so do you think maybe this movie would have benefited if maybe it told like the Matt Damon storyline then the Marguerite storyline and then the Adam Driver storyline and it maybe broke up the two that are the closest to each other up a little bit
4: so they weren't back to back Maybe, maybe that could have worked, but man, hers is so impactful and meaningful after hearing their versions that you almost have to have it at the end because then you get to see what she really is. Like, I feel like there's, maybe you could have done what kind of what you were saying, where you kind of intermix them or you have, um, You know, maybe theirs you could have played around with a little more so that they didn't feel so repetitive. But I do. But I don't know. Man, I don't know if hers. I feel like, man, I feel like that had to be last, given everything that happened. And that's fair. but
1: Yeah.
0: And I I get what you're saying, Justin, that that kind of adds to the impactfulness of it. It's just. Maybe that's why I had so many problems with it. Is maybe you hit the nail on the head that those first two are so similar.
1: Similar, yeah. yeah.
4: And they it feels too repetitive. So if there's a way to not make it feel like that, and maybe if you change some events around, you show some events. I don't know. You cut to the 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 court case, and maybe they're being asked some questions or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, and then you go back to them. They're they're giving their account, and then you see the account. I don't yeah. know what you needed there. To
1: yeah, I get that too because the, I agree yeah. that I think that um, Marguerite, I think, did need to be the last. And, and I mean, it almost feels like because you feel like that's the one that feels like it's the most true version of what happened, but it's also just because. I like how they made it where the two guys involved, you're seeing their perspective of who she is and you're, you're seeing them side by side as far as like, you know, their what they think her actions were. And then you get to see like, no, from her perspective, this is what actually happened, you know? Um, So I, I like the way that they did it, but I do agree. Like the two, the first two were so close to being the same. That they should, yeah, they should have intermixed something else in there to make it a little bit more different, so you it wasn't so repetitive.
4: Yeah, yeah, Th- that's what it needed to me be. because that was the only, those were the only two things, the, those two versions. And I get what you're saying, Sterling. Maybe if they just weren't side by side, that would fix the issue, but. Man, I really like her story being last. So I don't know if that's and then maybe it was kind of what you said earlier, Heather, maybe just by merit of what this story is. Maybe this is the best way to tell this story. Maybe you need it to have their stories be similar, but just a little bit different um, yeah. because of the differing perspectives. But you needed her story to be last. Um You know, maybe it says something about their stories are similar because they are two men that are not seeing this the way they should. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it uh, like uh, about that as well. But I felt that they were too repetitive, you know, and it seems like y'all did, too. So maybe you just I don't know, mix them up a little bit cut back to something, you know, there there had to have been a better way to where those stories just didn't feel the exact same. You know, did they both have to start with the war at the beginning or did they both have to, you know, maybe one of them starts with the war at the beginning, but then when we get to Matt Damon's story, maybe his starts in another place and He has a, you know, he thinks back to the war and we see it just something a little different happen, you know, or maybe in his story, Adam Driver mentions something about the war and he's like, well, I don't remember it happening that way, you know, or he's thinking about it. And then we cut back and we see how he saw it, you know but maybe we don't need to start both stories with the war. They become friends. They get mad at each other. They, you know what I mean? Maybe that was the issue, but yeah, that's, that
0: that's fair. I was just wondering, like, because I mean, I do agree. Like when you talk about it, yeah, her story needs to be at the end. It's just, I think maybe that's why I was having issues with this film is Their beats are just so similar, you know, and it's just, it's the exact same events, but from just different perspectives two times in a row. And you're just Mm -hmm. like, okay, like I've seen this. And of course this one guy is going to think it's different than the other guy. Of course, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that part of it's a chore. Um, But anyway, back to, I mean, my recommendation one day,
5: uh,
0: I do recommend it. It's not like I said, it's not bad movie. It's just unfortunately because I know these thoughts and like, I, I do want to be fair to the movie, but unfortunately some of the outside stuff like that outside stuff can affect how you perceive and how you enjoy and you know, movies, you know, that's just kind of the unfortunateness of them. But it's also kind of, it's a double-edged story, because that also could mean you can relate to a movie better sometimes, depending on things going around with it outside of the film itself, you know? So it's it's kind of a mixed bag, and unfortunately this is on the more negative side, uh, because it does taint how the movie is viewed and stuff. But I do want to be fair to this movie, like I said, there is a lot to
2: like about this movie. There really is. <sighs> like, I want to give it a 65. But I think if I'm fair, I give it a 70.
0: So let's give it a 67.5. Uh, 67.5. <laughs> ben Affleck never needs to be a blonde ever again.
2: <laughs> Out of 100. <laughs> uh, spoilers
0: Yes you.
5: Spoilers
0: I mean I guess what What is there really to spoil about this movie Other than the actual ending of the movie Everything else is like not really A spoiler it's kind of the Obvious thing it would go to in those situations But I guess I want to talk about like Did these did the did the medieval battle Sequences did they Did they kind of remind you of a game of thrones a little bit
4: yeah. 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 It was brutal. It was intense. There seemed like there was a lot at stake, you know, because of the lives involved. That was to me, that is one of the best medieval fights I've ever seen. Like I think Are you talking it's, about it's in my list. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I mean, i
0: it right it's right up there to me with uh uh Kevin Costner and Alan Rickman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I know that sounds like a joke. I genuinely mean that, though. I love that fight sequence at the end of that movie when they're fighting in the castle. I made mean, Marianne just watching them fight. I think it's fantastic. But I, I like this movie because this one actually feels a little bit more authentic even than something like Game of Thrones because
2: there is kind of the misconception that, like, people can just cut through armor. You know like
0: you see people get stabbed all the time like no it it is armor and it's yeah it is designed to take slashes that is what armor is designed to do take slashes you know and so I liked that there were times like when they were fighting they would intentionally turn their back on the sword so that it would just hit the metal plate
3: Mm.
0: you know Mm -hmm. Like, that is kind of an authentic thing that happened. One slightly thing is, like, medieval sword fighting isn't really, like, as much as everybody loves to do it, isn't really about slashing. Because slashing, especially in armor, was the most ineffective thing you could do. So that is some stylization to this fight sequences. But it was still kind of still accurate as to why you don't slash a lot. Stabby. Stabby works better. With plate armor and stuff like that. Um, You know, because you can step through. But Slashy doesn't. Uh, But I mean, it's just... I'm talking about... But just all the fight sequences in general to this gave me a really strong Game of Thrones vibe. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Because it kind of... satiated. What I've missed from Game of Thrones... Brutal fight sequences. You know? Like this movie Mm kind of. I didn't realize I was missing that in my life until I saw this movie. And I'm like, man, I've been missing some medieval fucking brutality. Yeah, let's do this. I was really enjoying this. And that sounds creepy as fuck. I'm not going to lie because I'm like, man, I needed some fucking medieval ass violence. I kind of did. I had spent like a quarter of my life, like eight years of my life watching like brutal medieval style fight sequences. And so it's one of those things I didn't realize that I was missing that aspect of my life. Like until I saw this movie and then all of a sudden this movie gave me that itch that I had from watching game of Thrones for eight years and then scratched it simultaneously. Like, it reminded me of one of the things I loved about Game of Thrones and then did a fucking amazing job at it all at the same time.
2: It's great. Like, every fight sequence in this movie is just... Like, it goes back
0: to, like, this primal fucking urge to watch just grotesque shit happen on a battlefield. I loved every second of it. I truly
2: did. And like, and then you get into the final sequence of this. And like, and this is going to sound weird. The final fight of this movie
0: kind of showed me what we missed in some aspects of Game of Thrones. You know? Like, you have the Sir Arthur Dwayne fight. Because he was the morning star. He's supposed to be the best fighter anybody's ever seen. And he he was just a guy that fought with two swords. Which, if you know anything about sword combat, is an incredibly inefficient and terrible way to fight with swords. (laughs) You have infinitely less control over both swords than you would over one.
2: You know? So it's just a style flashy thing. Whereas something like this, like a fight sequence like this was brutal and intimate and
0: just infinitely more satisfying than something like that. You know? Because you have the you know, the younger almost more regal squire and stuff like that and then you just, you know, he was younger, he was less battle-worn, all kinds of stuff, where he had a ton more advantages in those in those regards, up against the guy that, yeah, has fought just dozens and dozens and dozens of times in battle, but is also older and more worn out and damaged, you know? And so you have that counterbalance of experience to youthfulness and all kinds of stuff, and and it, it really kind of fit that type of, 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 of fight. And it, like I said, it was, it was intimate. It was brutal. It was all these great things. And so like, you kind of wish you had gotten some of that out of Game of Thrones. Like when the Mountain and the Hound fought, don't you wish you ended up getting more of a fight like this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, for
1: there, sure. There was
0: so much emotion in this fight. There was so much emotionality behind so many aspects of this fight. And you were supposed to have that when it was the Hound versus the Mountain. And you got none of it.
2: You know? Like, there's just so many little things that... Like, while this reminded me of Game of Thrones,
0: this movie kind of did the outshone Game of Thrones. Outshined? Outshined it. Game of Thrones that's the word I'm landing You <laughs>
1: it right the first time
0: whatever shown just sounds like a dumb word so uh, but
2: like those types of things like and so that was like kind of a, a fun and interesting thing to watch with that like
0: like when was the last time you actually saw that amo- amount of emotionality in a fight you know there wasn't just yeah. anger you know like yeah, we see anger all the time in fight sequences, but like there was other emotions in this. You know, and I I I I really enjoyed that aspect of the fight sequence coming alive with it, but I still think that that one guy, uh Matt Damon's character should have died though. Like this is the second movie this year we've yeah. watched or I've watched that Somebody's gotten stabbed in the femoral artery and just walked it
2: the fuck off. Like that's just not how life <laughs> happens. You know, but
0: man, that ending of that, though, when he turns him on the side so he can put his weight behind him, and he just shoves that knife through his goddamn mouth. Yeah, oh man.
4: Yeah, that was and crazy. he pressed with his knee. Yeah. He pressed the back of his head forward with his knee while driving it. I mean, that was, man, just the choreography of the scene. And like, there were so many parts where it was so well choreographed to where, like, but it didn't feel that way. Like you said, there was just a brutality to it. We weren't just ducking and dodging and flipping out of the way of everything. You know, like you said, we were. Um, turning our back and absorbing blows with armor. There was the part where he was calling for his axe, and the as the and but you know, Adam Driver is speeding towards him as the runner is trying to bring him the axe or whatever, and he barely got it. Oh, there man, were times where they were up, up, th- th- there were times where they were up against the wall and were using leverage, and one person was pinned and having to use. Uh, And the other guy was using leverage to kind of get an advantage or when they were fighting next to the horses that had fallen and one horse just sort of involuntarily kicked Matt Damon. And so then he lost his advantage in the fight. There were so many incredibly interesting things that happened in that fight. And that's why I'm like, that is one of the best one on one fights I've ever seen in a movie like it has to be. Like, I I just don't know how it isn't like it's one of my after I saw that, I was like, man, this is like one of my favorite fights ever. Like I was I was convinced. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That
0: that specific sequence that you were talking about that after they got done jousting and Matt Damon calls for his axe and then you just see out of nowhere, Adam Driver is going at him with the lance. And he just deflects it at the last second.
2: Like into the wall. Yeah. I was like, that was fantastic. Like that got me giddy. Like, cause I just I hadn't seen something like that. Like.
0: Yeah, there was just so much of this. Like and I liked how they did it. They did a really good job of adapting the fighting styles of both those characters to the kind of Person that character was, you know, like the Adam Driver character was a lot more about outsmarting and outwitting, and
2: I don't want to say being deceitful, but you know, but yeah, being deceitful and
0: masking the way you're like masking what you're gonna do. You know, as a, a as a way to catch people off guard, like you know, you're doing all this stuff, all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, bam, he's fighting two with, with two daggers. You know, that type of thing. And you know, the Matt Damon character, that kind of that more old school, that more just battle style of just axes and and, and swords. You know what I mean? Like I really liked how they contrasted, yeah, those aspects of them and put their kind of personalities into it. Like that was just a really interesting way of doing it. And I thought it was very, uh, very cool that they, they kind of, they kept what
2: felt like would be realistic with it. Um, do either one of you have problems with them technically. Not defining what was true or not true in this. You know, I don't because I feel like.
1: Kind of like what I alluded to before. I I feel like it's one of those where you in this movie and it just makes you think about all the things that happened. Like. I I, because I find it interesting and kind of fascinating too that, like, even in in literally every perspective of the story that person was the the good person in it. You know, like Adam Driver's character, he in no way thought anything he did was wrong. He in no way thought, like, I, I feel like it's not even one of those where he's like, okay, I'm going to pretend like I didn't rape her. But like in his mind, mentally, the way they played it in this film is that he did not at all think he did. He was so convinced that it was mutual and that she wanted it and that they were in love and he was so convinced by that and and then just the complete opposite of that is what actually happened even though Marguerite is you know you know she found him attractive and i guess maybe was like a little bit flirty but not really you know not wanting what happened you know i just feel like them leaving it open to interpretation of things or just not really resolving any anything really other than who won the duel. I I feel like it's because that's sort of what happens in those situations too. Like you know, it ends, you walk away and everybody still believes what they already believed about it for the most part as far as the people involved with it. You know, like he said this and that's not true. She said this and that's not true. So I kind of think that it was um, an interesting choice to do that. And I, I didn't mind it actually.
3: Um,
4: well, for me, I kind of, uh, interpreted a little differently. I thought that it for sure was telling you that, uh, that Margaret's version was the truth. I mean, even down to the fact that when the chapter starts for her, you know, like, before every chapter begins or whenever every chapter starts, you know, you get those, the text, the truth, according to this character, the truth, according to this character. Well, whenever it gets to her, it says the truth, according to, to Margaret. And then all the words fade. And the only words left on the screen is the truth. So I think at least mm-hmm. in this movie, The the point they were trying to make is, is that this is what truly happened to her, you know, and then as the as her version. And this is why I love her version at the end, because and why it does need to be at the end, you know, or at least this is how I feel really Scott felt or how, you know, how he feels historically, because this did happen. You know, these events did occur in a way but i mean but i feel like really scott was saying her version is the truth and this is who she was this is the kind of woman she was she was she wasn't just a woman that was waiting on him and just coming home to him she was she was capable she was smart she was handling a lot of the finances she was you know making sure the 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 livestock and the horses were doing okay she was a very capable smart woman even though they didn't see her as that she was you know she was doing all of these things she was very capable in doing all of these things and whenever you get to um the rape scene with her i think what's very telling is that like when you see it with adam driver She's saying no, and she's objecting and everything like that. But what he envisioned was something almost a little more flirtatious, like he didn't, you know, in his version, she was a lot more quiet. And even though there were no's and I still even in his version felt like she got raped. Now, don't get it twisted. In his version, I was like, damn, he raped her. (laughs) And even though he may not have saw it that way because he's blinded by what's going on with him or whatever, or maybe he did either way. Um, I was like, man, uh, he raped her. But then when you get to her version and you see just how adamant she was, how much she was screaming, saying no, how she was crying and everything like that. And like, um, Jodie Comer does such a great job in that scene. Like, it's so much more more harrowing the way that she acted. It's like, you know, I don't know how you watch that one and not feel like that's what really happened, you know? After seeing the kind of woman that she was, after seeing the way that um, Matt Damon treated her, And everything like that. I just felt like her version had to have been the the true version. And then when you tie it back to just how we because we know how women were treated at the time, you know, they were treated as like a piece of property. That line that that priest says to Adam Driver just sort of made my skin crawl when he was like, rape is not a crime against a woman but it's a crime, it's a property crime against her husband or guardian. Like, that's, like, and yes, are these things that I understood and knew about just from history and stuff? Yes, but hearing it put, you know, in such a way and put in such a perspective and everything like that, and you think about just how they felt about women at that time, I could totally I felt like her story was the true story, you know, how the husband was treating her, uh, the the way that he would say things about her and stuff. And why haven't we had a kid yet and stuff? I didn't have this problem with my first wife and her like I I believed that version, you know, yeah, I and- I didn't have any trouble believing that you
1: know? Yeah. And just to clarify, like, I I definitely think her version was like what actually happened, but I guess I just mean it's open to interpretation in the sense of like, um, for one, you know, with her being pregnant and then not really saying, okay, whose baby is it actually? And open to interpretation for like, okay, so what are the actual motives of these people? And things like that. Like, I guess they're their motives or their actual feelings about things, they still kind of leave it a little up in the air. Um, What happened to her, I think that is the true version of it, but I just mean like, I don't know. they, They never flat out say it though, even though it's definitely heavily implied and it's definitely what I think is the truth. It's never fully actually flat out said that that's what happens because I mean, Legree, to his death, was saying he did not rape her. And so, you know, it's just like, even though obviously we see what happened, even in his version, it looks like that, obviously. But in, in you're right. It's like in his version, she's saying no, but her body's saying yes kind of way of how they did it, you know. But um, but yeah, so it's it's one of those where it's understood what the truth is, but they still never fully say what the truth is. So I guess that's what I mean. So just to clarify that a little bit, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying though.
4: Well, I mean, but I think they do say it because when her chapter starts, the, it says that that's the truth. So and you could be right. I I didn't actually catch that. So that's, that could be true, but yeah. yeah. So to me, not only do they literally say it, but then whenever you're like, whenever you get her side of the story and you see what kind of woman she is and you see like the kind of person she was, and then you see how they were treating her. It just seems so much more believable that at that time, that's how they would be treating her. And then I think it's even more apparent because even though like we, we, I, I love this fight and, how well choreographed it was and how action packed it was and everything like that um the the best thing about the fight is that they're completely missing the point you know is that it misses the point entirely like she was going to be burned at the stake you know if he would have lost that fight And in the end, I think what happens at the end is very telling when he's sort of basking in all of this glory, having won that incredible battle and everything like that. And then, you know, um, galloping behind him is his wife. And nobody is really concerned about her well-being or how traumatizing that must have been or how And I do think that even when you look at today, like there's this sort of tendency like and there's this sort of tendency for men even today to think that if I just beat ass or if we just put this person in prison or if we just do these things, if we just defend the, the, the woman's honor. That fixes the issue or that means that everything is fixed or that means that I'm and it becomes more about what they're doing and not doing and less about the victim. And I think that that was just so abundantly clear in this that, like. I felt so bad for her. Like, even in all of that that happened, like, I I just felt so incredibly bad. And even that scene when she's, when she, ha- after she has the child, that she's like, man, if I had known that this would, that that this could potentially, that I could potentially not grow up with my child, I may have done what so many women do. And that's just be quiet and not say anything about it. Because, the cost of speaking out is so heavy and such a risk, and there are so many things that can happen. And the 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 back and forth of whether or not people believe you, the 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 consequences, which can be more damaging to you, is it even worth speaking out? Like I think all of that was so uh, apparent in this, and I think because of that it was even that much more important for Ridley Scott to tell you at the beginning of her chapter that yes, this is the truth. You know, I don't think he wanted it to be open-ended. I think he wanted you to know and believe and understand that this, this is what happened. And this is the way, um, these men treated her back then. This is the way they saw women back then. And, a lot of these things that we saw in this story mirror things that happen today. Even her best friend kind of turning on her and saying, "Well, you said that that man was a- attractive, so I don't even believe you." You know, I don't even believe that 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 he raped you because, like you, because of just a conversation we had. Like a person, like you can. Like you can't find the person attractive and then they still and then still be raped by that person. You know, Um, the mother who was a rape victim herself. And said, um, you know, Matt Damon's mother, um, who was a rape victim herself and said, why don't you just be quiet? Why can't you just nip it under the bud? Why can't you just push it aside so we can be a family? Why don't you just push this aside for the sake of family? Some of it made my skin crawl because I have heard women tell these stories. Like, it's, and I think that that's why, like, that's why I really want people to see this movie because it's those powerful things like that that that, that we need to see because it's a, just a harsh reminder of that even though we've come a long way from medieval times, we still got a long way to go when it comes to a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah, and all that's fair. But the reason why I ask that is because technically the only reason why we think her side of the story is true is because technically her husband won that duel in because this is like a, like the history of that trial, you know, through the ages, you know what I mean? So like, this is a dramatization of that. And so those aspects of it, we don't actually know.
2: That's literally just what she said at the trial. And so with that, and the reason why I say that is
0: cuz of the other things that was brought up with this stuff, like with w- the way they also thought things, the reason why it is kind of technically left ambiguous with some of that stuff is because there is the, there was the thought back then that if the woman didn't orgasm, she couldn't conceive, and that's why rape wasn't, you know, could never conceive a pre- uh, pregnancy we know of course that is factually not true you know that has nothing to do with anything but with that the thought was like and this is like going back historically the thought is and they kind of approach it in this that it was consensual she got pregnant with adam driver's son and had to cover it up by saying she was she was raped, and it's actually, you know, the child's Matt Damon's. And that's why she lied at the trial, saying that, no, I do orgasm from sex with my husband, and that's why I'm pregnant. They do those aspects of it to show that technically, whilst her story is probably
2: the most likely to be true, it is also not out of her character to lie for
0: the sake of appearances with some of that stuff. Not to say that that is fair or right or any of that stuff. I'm just saying that that is something they do portray in this movie with that stuff. And because we factually don't know. That is the other side of it. We factually don't know in general with this stuff, because it was all from the 1300s. And like I said, according to French law, the only reason why Adam driver's character character was considered a rapist Was because he lost the duel.
2: Now I do agree with you Justin. That a lot of that stuff in it. Was portrayed.
0: In a way. That makes it most likely. That what her story was. Within the context of the movie. The most likely to be truthful. I do 100% agree with that aspect of it.
2: But. I do think that they intentionally left some things open-ended, like with some of it even being the the paternity of the child,
0: that they do leave some of that intentionally, well, also because we don't factually know that either, Um, but I do think that they intentionally left some of that ambiguous or intentionally
2: ambiguous feeling. To drive home home the notion of in the end still.
0: The whole point of this story was kind of in a lot of ways. No one knows the truth based on what's what based on what based. Well, nobody knows the truth based on what stories we are told.
2: In those aspects. Like. I think to just see some of the ambiguousness of some of that stuff
0: isn't to deny that her story was the most accurate and like why she would feel like she would need to lie. Because there's a very good chance that she did get pregnant from Adam, Adam driver, raping her, but she would have to lie about sex with her husband because otherwise no one would believe any aspect of her story, you know, because. If she said, no, I was raped and that's why I'm pregnant, based on their understanding of quote-unquote science, that would mean that she enjoyed it more than she enjoys sex with her husband. Therefore,
2: it was consensual. You know? And there is those aspects of history and stuff like that that are just...
0: That I am glad that they are portraying in some of these things because
2: unfortunately, even now, some of those thought processes, people still have, you know, what was it like five or six years ago where a
0: former gynecologist who is now a, a, a congressperson brought up legitimate rape because legitimate rape couldn't lead to a pregnancy because the body would produce hormones to stop pregnancy from
2: happening. Yeah. And all of that we factually know is not true. Like
0: medically, scientifically, even just reasonably, we know none of that's true, and that's still something people still think. People these to these days still think it is one hundred percent impossible
2: to get pregnant by rape. You know, people think that it's impossible to have an orgasm from rape.
0: When we know it's possible, because we know it's physiological responses. You know, and it's kind of sad that. This movie demonstrates that for what 700 years, some people still
2: have the same understanding of the human body. For 700 years, their thoughts haven't changed, and that is a sad, sad thing. I mean, like, it's in, in in those aspects of it is it is incredibly frustrating.
0: It's also kind of one thing that regardless of how you look at how the stories were told or what was true or not true, whatever, I also do like the fact that this movie kind of or still highlights
3: the
2: problems our culture has with rape. That in general, the way it's always looked.
0: Is no matter what, it becomes a he said, she said. In so many instances. And more often than not. Just like in this movie. The victim is persecuted for it. You know, like when you brought up Justin, yeah. that that, you know, her friend didn't even believe her just because she said the guy was hot once, you know. And that's still a common thing you know that yeah. people think that if you find somebody attractive then they can't
2: rape you like those aren't mutually exclusive things right. or or when they were talking about you know with what the mother
0: said like you're absolutely right with that Justin there are so many people and so many women that don't come forward with with what happens to them because It's a lot easier sometimes to just keep the status quo. Like don't rock the boat type of situation. Or that when they do come forward to their family, their family then tells them to ignore it, to not rock the boat, to keep the status quo. Because that's what they've done. Boys will be boys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but, or just in general, like, you know, like, I, we we both know people that, you know, were victimized as children by adults. And we're told yeah to, to ignore it. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. So, you know, like, that's just a, that, that's an unfortunate thing with just in general with anybody that's a victim of stuff like that. And it's also still kind of sad that, like, that's still the tactic that's used these days. You know? like attack attack the the victim's sexuality you know like oh how many partners have you had oh well you've had 12 partners how could you possibly get raped if you've had you know consensual sex with other people how could you ever be raped that is like that that's that's still a common tactic you know the idea of victim shaming and just attacking, you know, these people and making it their fault for stuff. All of that is still a common occurrence. And it's sad that it's 700 years. That's what it is. Now, and, and when yeah. I and when I say all that, it, it is impo- like, I, I do understand that there are times that it is impossible sometimes like to truly, it, it, it's impossible to truly know what happens anytime you're not there.
2: You know what I mean? I understand that. But you, you, you have to like look at other factors like you can't, it's
0: you know, like, because we, we can always think things like we can think this person murdered that person. We have no clue. Even for people that are famous for being fucking murderers. We don't know what actually happened at each of those murder scenes. We can have a good idea based on evidence. We can have a good idea based on evidence and what they said. But then also, you know, uh, some serial killers lie about some shit. You know?
2: I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience with some of this stuff. Like, I lucked out. That when, when with what happened to me,
0: my family believed me
2: when they very easily could not because I was a child, you know, and this was a grown adult. And so it's a child's word versus an
0: adult's word. And I mean, I know everybody can think of a dozen examples at the top of your head of Any time an adult
2: didn't believe you just because you were a kid. No matter what it was about. You know? And so I lucked out in that situation. But then at the same time, legally speaking, you know, when it came to the actual investigation into what happened to me and stuff like that, there was a lot of instances where I... I felt like they didn't believe me
0: when I was talking to cops and when I was talking to a grand jury and a prosecutor
5: and stuff like that.
2: You know? Because it did feel like they took every chance they could to trip me up, which is hard enough sometimes when you're an adult. You know?
0: But then when you're with the kid, I know people, some people say, well, if you just tell the truth every time, is it? Yeah. But when they intentionally ask you questions and frame it as, well, that's not what happened. Tell me what really happened.
2: Yeah. And you're a kid. fucks you up. You know? And like, and, and so like I was, I was,
0: I was going through a way smaller version of what some of these other people go through. And with what she went through in this story, but as a child, like he was nowhere near as extreme as this. I don't want to get that twisted. You know what I mean? No one ever just straight up called me a liar, you know, but when I was doing the grand jury and talking to the district attorney and all this other stuff in front of all these other people, they questioned me more about if I knew what lying
2: was than they did about what happened to me. Hmm. You know, like, that's what they were more concerned about.
0: Like, if I understood what lying was, if I know what lying is, do I understand the consequences of lying? Do I understand what the difference between lying to them and what lying to other people is? You know what I mean? That's what they focused on more. More of the questions to me
2: were directed about that than what actually happened to me. And that's kind of sad because these were the people that were supposed to be on my side. You know, like this is the district attorney.
0: I I guess I don't know if it was the actual DA. It was, I don't know, one of his assistants,
2: whatever. But still, this was the person that was supposed to be advocating for me. And that's what they were more concerned about. And then years later, When I find out that the guy just, they plead,
0: they, they did a plea deal and the guy just got probation.
2: I'm still a kid. Even though it's a few years later, I'm still a kid. I'm then wondering if I fucked up. Like, did I say something wrong? Did I, was I not believable enough? They didn't feel like they could actually legitimately punish this man. Like what did like you start having those feelings? Of what did I do wrong? And so I I, I get that, that with this movie, they do portray a
0: lot of that stuff, and I do appreciate that because a lot of that stuff was from from documents. Now, like, was it the most accurate shit in the world from documents from seven hundred years ago? Probably not, but some of that stuff is actually fairly accurate because. Sometimes cultures just were really good at keeping records with some of that stuff. And we do have a little bit more historical context with this because like you said, Justin, this was the the last, you know, trial by combat in France. You know, so there's also some more historical relevance. And so why they would want to keep more documentation on it and stuff like that. Because there's other historical milestones tied to it. But I, 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 I do, like, get what you're saying with a lot of that stuff, Justin. Especially because it is still relevant. Sadly, it's still relevant. Like I said, it's been damn near 700 years.
2: Like, what else
0: do we do that we used to do 700 years ago? Like, really? We can catch up. Like, we can adapt some new shit. Like, fuck, we don't even speak yeah. the same way. Like... There's just nothing, we don't, like, none of that shit
2: is the same as it used to be. We can change some shit.
3: Yeah, and it's
4: just harkens back to that whole thing, and I think that that's, like, the, the, the bigger point that the film is trying to make is that even though all this time has passed, we're, we're, we're still kind of in a system that really doesn't protect victims like it should. It doesn't really address victims. And there's almost like a culture like like we talked about with the rape culture and the victim blaming and stuff like that. It's almost like the usually the knee jerk reaction is to victim blame or question the victim or what what may have happened or different things like that. You know, more than it is about protecting victims and something about the system needs to change now has it gotten better and have things and have there been some advancements made yes in some places but like to your point the the questions were more about them questioning whether or not you knew what a lie was are you lying this then the other and why would you want to be lying this then the other and it was more questions about that more than it was about the the trauma of that event, trying to get help to you after the event, trying to, you know, there were a lot of more things that should have been being done while that ordeal was happening and while you were going through that and and, and doing the questioning and all of that kind of stuff. And I do think it it's that that's what a lot of victims go through is that we are living in a culture that doesn't that 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 really the the knee jerk reaction is not to protect victims the the sometimes it seems like it's more protective towards perpetrators like even the, like that conversation that um adam driver was having with the clergyman and he was like well if you have the trial through the church it, it'll just be a lot easier for you you know, it'll be a lot, a lot, a lot more painless. You know, if you do it through the through the clergy, where it's just gonna, you know, you'll just go through this, and you know, basically, kind of telling him it'll be a slap on the wrist. You know, you may not even really have to go through much of anything if the church does the case. And even though that may not seem like much of anything that happens today, I, I that made me start thinking. Like about all of these, like that one documentary I watched about that Catholic priest who was just raping kids and stuff, and the church was supposed to be handling it, and their version of handling it was just sending that that priest to a different parish so he could just rape more people, and then when people complain, oh, we'll handle it, um, we'll send him to another place, and he can rape more people. You know the softening the impact of this because of church because of religion because of the way that um the because of the just the relationship between men and women the gender roles and everything like that you know with the mom talking about well you know you should be your what you are supposed to be as a woman, your wifely duty should take precedence over what happened to you, how you should feel, you know, and that happens today too you be you being a member of this family should take precedence over what happened to you, or you the fact that you could be lying about that you're a child. And you could be lying about this adult that takes precedence more over the possibility that you are just a victim and that this happened to you. And we need to figure out how to help you. And, and so I feel like in this movie, like all of the stuff that y'all were talking about, like the ambiguous stuff, I don't know if who the kid, the the who the child's, you know, who actually is the kids. Is it Matt Damon or Adam Driver's? I don't know how much that really matters in this story. I don't know if that really matters more than what I feel like what Ridley was trying to say is, is that this is what happened. This is the true version. And this is what this woman went through. These are all the things that this person went through in this story. And look how much this story mirrors so many victims stories of what happens today. And I feel like that was like the most important piece and why he made it a point to say, this is the truth. I don't know if he wanted you go coming out questioning what was the truth. I think he wanted you to accept that this is what the truth is. And this is the problem. And this is a problem that still exists um, in, in our society today. But I get what you're saying that historically yes we will never know the the exact truth but I think that one thing that can be drawn from it is that what we do know though is is that we still have a lot of societal problems when it comes to how to handle these rape cases and how to treat victims how to not victim blame and things like that I think culturally we still have a really big issue on how a lot of times it's almost it, it it shouldn't be a victim should never feel like that that coming forward is going to be is is going to cost you your life that coming forward is going to there's going to be more dire consequences by you coming forward and that there it, it should never we have to get to where the system is better to where it shouldn't be a question of, should I tell people about this or not? You know, I I think we got to get to a point to where it's like, people shouldn't be afraid to come forward with this information or tell people when this happens or victims should not be afraid because if they do tell, or if they do come forward with this, the repercussions could be you no longer have a life, whether that and I am i don't mean like somebody's going to kill you, but reputation wise, you don't have a life because now you are this person that has done this to the family, you know, the, et cetera, et cetera. All those consequences that could happen. Or like with you, the, the guy got parole and now you are still here questioning, what did I do? Why wasn't me coming forward good enough? And something's got to be done about that, you know. Um, And I think that this movie sort of is sort of kind of shedding a light on that. Look at all this stuff that happened. These two men fought to the death and did all of this stuff. And this guy, you got this guy like basking in the glory. Look what I did for my wife. I defended my wife's honor. I defended my property. I defended, you know... Why is it more about that that, that that why is it more about that and not enough? And why is there isn't enough about the victim? You know what I mean? Like I saw this person get raped twice in this movie, and at the end, it still felt like
3: it wasn't about her.
4: And I think that's I hope that when people watch this, that is the thought that most people have when they watch this. Like, I hope it's not, you know, the other stuff feels like fluff to me. Whose kid is it? That almost pales in comparison to why did we see two rape scenes? And at the end of this movie, I still don't really feel like this woman got what she should, got the help and the support. And I still don't feel like she got what she really needed out of this situation. You know, and at the end, when they say she never remarried or never took another man again, that was very telling. You know. That in and of itself was
2: very telling as well. Yeah, it's it's like um, it definitely feels like
1: her voice doesn't matter in the movie, in a sense, like because yeah we see this traumatic experience that she's gone through, like you said twice. And it just the I guess the the thing that stands out to me for one is just the lack of value that they put on women back then. And you know, just the but also how it's so closely associated with male pride too and kind of like what you mentioned with the toxic masculinity and all of that like it, and and that's why I loved the scene when she's like no like you're doing this for your own pride you're not doing this for me because I'm the one who's going to die if you lose and they're trying to sit here and say that oh you know if if you're truly telling the truth then there's no way you're not going to win this battle and that's just not how that works like
4: yeah <laughs> you know exactly and, yeah
1: and so it's just it, they they place the emphasis on the wrong thing with this but you know her voice didn't matter i mean she sat there and she gave all these examples and she knew that what would happen if her husband lost this battle and tearfully even tells everybody like listen I know that I didn't want this. That's all I know. That's what I can tell you is this happened to me and I didn't want it to happen, you know? And it it still, it did not matter. Her voice was so silenced in this because of this or that. And, oh, it's a property crime. And that's what really matters more than anything. And how she really is just basically a piece of property. And even in her story, you see how her husband is really treating her when she tells him what happened and he's just mad at her, you know, and he's just like, this is going to hurt my reputation. And this is going to be a problem for me. And like, it just, that's what mattered more to him was his reputation and his pride. And, you know, it's, and that's, and it's something too, where it's like, maybe that's a big part of the problem too, is that, you know, the people, if you're, if the people that you trust with this information, really they they kind of make it more about like oh like let's sweep it under the rug let's not embarrass or let's make a huge point of it because i don't want my pride to fall like it's it's almost like they're either not believing the victim or they're trying to use the story for their benefit and like or not for their benefit but they're trying to to manipulate the story how they want based on you know if it's going to cause them a problem or not. Like they either want to get rid of the story and make it go away, or they want to highlight it so much because they want to prove a point. And in either case, again, voice silence, you know, and, and, you know, you hear about things like this happening all the time. And so I think it is important to have a movie like this, where, where you just kind of actively see this experience and, all that that entails because as Sterling and you both mentioned earlier, it's like, this is still a thing. (laughs) This is still happening. This is still where we're at in a way, like kind of not necessarily the same, but sort of, you know, like, I, I mean, I've, I've talked to a person not too long ago that actually thinks that if you're married, like you, like you can't be raped if you're married like if the person you're married to can't rape you. Like I, I've talked to people that have these views and it's like, where's this coming from and why is it because they're being viewed as property? Cause it's like, Oh, well if you're married, you belong to me. So therefore I can't rape you. Like it's, it's all about the property and that whole thing still to this mm-hmm. day. And we're in 2022 now, like it's insane how very similar it is still. And It's so unfortunate and tragic and sad and heartbreaking because again, how many like women either don't get justice for what happened or are afraid to say what happened because they know that this is how it ends up so many times, you know, that's why I think this story is super important because look at how very much the world still is after all this time, you know.
5: Yeah. I mean,
4: all of that was great stuff. And so like, yeah. And that's why I just think that the movie is like incredibly important because of that, you know, like, and it just kind of shows like, like, like we've said, how far we still have to go with these things and how far um, and and just how in shockingly even though this is something that happened 700 years ago we're just not that far we're not as far from it as we think we are sure uh, a couple of th- things have uh, some things have changed and sure we've got a judicial process that's better than this and we understand more about rape and different things like that but man there's a lot of things just ingrained in the culture where we still need to be looking inward and saying what how Can we be better about this? You know, how can we be better about this? And like you said, viewing a a wife as property or that, you know, it's a you know, you can't rape a wife like what? That just sounds crazy to me. But you're right. There are people that really just believe that or even like when people come forward and then like their family members and stuff are just like, well, I mean, wasn't that a long time ago? Or I mean, shouldn't you be over that by now? Or like, can we just yeah. move on from that? Like, just don't even want to really help these the the victim deal with it or help them. You know, help you know, understanding that that is something that that person will have to live with and feel and and experience you know, that, that, that may be something that never goes away for that person, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and it's, it's not just women. Thing. Like we've obviously based on our conversation here, like it's not just women, you know, but yeah, in yeah. general.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It just any victim, but yeah. Like it's just it, it, that, that, you know, and, and we just lack so much understanding. We, we, we lack, A lot of the, uh, uh, we still lack a lot of things in place to really make this, these conversations and these proceedings and the, with these happening, when these things happen to people, we just lack so much to, to, to make this more effective. And so we got to keep seeing that we're missing things. We got to keep seeing that, yes, there's a lot of things about our culture that leads to us do do you know, making these kinds of assumptions or like, you know, somebody hears that um a person, you know, got raped at a club or whatever the case may be. And they're like, well, what was she doing? You know, sometimes or what was he or she doing? What were they wearing? What was, you know, you've heard stuff like that before. Like why are we jumping to those things rather than asking okay what happened how can we help what you know what what is a better way to help these victims while the, these proceedings are happening different things like that i just think we got to keep asking those questions and we got to keep making these things better until people feel that they're, they're not at risk for saying that this happened to them, you know, I I feel like people it's got to get to a point to where people are not just are are more scared to say what happened to them than they are just to hold that in and just not say anything about it at all. You know, I hate that it's that way. I just hate it. And I think we got to keep advancing until it's not that way, you know?
2: No, well, those are fair points, Justin. Those are. Um, do we have anything else to say about the actual movie, though?
0: I mean, we can keep going about this too. It. I just didn't know if we wanted anything else about the movie first.
1: No, right I, I mean, I think we this. covered it. I, <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, I think it's it's good that this movie. Starts the conversation like this. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a really great thing that this movie's doing is people are, you, you know, it makes you want to talk about it and evaluate and think about like all of the aspects that go along with something like this. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I, that's
2: all I had to say about the movie, but I'm glad it starts the conversation about it, you know.
4: Yeah good point. No, I don't think I have anything as far as like plot points or anything like that. It was just, you know, it's, it's just so hard to not go to this conversation. But, you know, but but I think that that's just the mark, the, the hallmark of or one of the hallmarks of a good movie. You know, it not only gives you a solid experience, but then it says something, but then something about it carries with you. And starts a conversation like this, so yeah. Just I'll just end it by saying, yeah, um, a, a very good movie, you know. And Ridley, you gotta, you gotta, you you need a conscious man. You need a Jiminy cricket man. You just gotta be quiet, man. Like, you gotta shut up, man. Don't say that anymore. Because <laughs> more people should have saw this, and it's a shame that maybe less people will see it because of the comments you made, man.
0: Don't do it again, brother. Don't do it again. Well, the funny, well, not
2: the funny, but the ironic thing about it is that, like millennials and Gen Zers, are more likely to have the attitudes about rape culture
0: and and things like that that this movie's trying to change. Or to call out as very problematic. True. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that that is like the hard, fast rule or anything like that. But I'm just saying as a society, the younger generations, like your millennials and your Gen Zers and then even younger than that, are more accepting of the different types of sexual assault and the trauma that can happen from it. And you know what I mean? We're, we're a lot more in tune with the fact that there is grayness to it, but then there's also platitudes to it. You know, they used to not consider some of the things that we consider sexual assault now. Like Heather was saying, uh, the idea that like a husband can rape his wife there's a lot of older generational people that still feel that way. I'm not trying to make a general generalizing sweeping statement that they all do. I'm just saying it's more common in older generations than it is in younger generations. You know,
5: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, we're a lot less likely to accept the, like what Justin brought up earlier, the boys will be boys mentality. Um, you know, we're a lot less accepting of that. We're a lot less um, accepting of sexual assault happening to males. You know, like a lot of older generations don't feel like men can be raped or sexually assaulted. And We know that's yep. just not true. Yeah. You know, that's,
4: tr- that's true. That is true.
0: You know what I mean? because like especially in those situations it's like oh you were raped well you're not a man then you know they they they'll degrade you twice with it type of scenario and younger generations are less uh, less likely to accept that that's what it is you know what i mean yeah. so like the demographic that would understand and respect and 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 enjoy the message that he's trying to portray about rape in this movie. Are the generations he's fucking attacking? Like that yeah. makes even less sense now that I think about it. Like looking back on it now, like with what you yeah. were, you were and, saying with a lot of this, Justin.
4: And what's even sadder about it is that him making a broad generalization like that about a certain sect of people um, based on when they were born and how young they are, whatever the case, or they're on their cell phones, whatever the case, making such a broad generalization about people is what leads to these types of problems in the first place.
0: That's true because it was broad generalizations about women that led to a lot of the beliefs back then.
4: That led to a lot of the beliefs that that's what it is. It's, it's the broad generalizations about them that led to these problems and still leads to these problems about women. And then when you think about what he's doing, you are now perpetuating another broad generalization while at the same time making a movie that warns against making those broad generalizations. And then you did it yourself. which
1: is why you get people like podcasters saying women need to go back to the gym right after they have babies. (laughs) This is a vicious cycle. I don't know.
4: Yeah. You know, and and it's just, it just sucks because like with, with just the relationship between men and women, and that's what I think, you know, is a big thing about this is that like the moment a story like this comes out automatically just because of the culture that we live in, The situation is going to favor men because the this is a, you know, um, the situation already is more favorable to men just because that's the way our society is. It shouldn't be that way, but that's the way it is just by merit of our culture and everything like that. And a lot of that is because of these broad generalizations and that's where the, and the, and the toxic masculinity and all that stuff. But a lot of that comes from the way we have sort of assigned these gender roles and personalities and things like that. So really, Scott, man, don't, don't do it just another way. Don't do it with this certain group, a certain sect of people, you know, this is where the problems begin. You don't understand a certain group of people or you feel you're not you're not attached to them, you don't understand them, you don't understand them. So then you start making broad generalizations and hating on them or blaming them and stuff like that. And you're blaming something and looking at something that you don't understand, and you're making very what seem like harmless now, but those are harmful generalizations to make about a whole generation of people. <laughs> You know, so don't start the vicious yep. cycle in just another way. You know, this is what we got to stop doing. We got to stop doing this to make progress. You know, you
2: no, know, that's 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 a very, you know, like g- good way
0: of putting it. You know, it's just, it's just weird that even whenever you know. He'll make something progressive about this, but he fucks it up in another way right after. Like.
3: Yeah.
0: And like I said, it's like the, the type of message he's trying to. Or like portray in this movie. He's attacking the demographic. That's going to respect it the most. You know, like. We're the generation that grew up on 20 fucking plus years of law and order SVU. Like. We get it, like, things change. Like, we're down for the cause with it. Don't
3: attack Mm -hmm. us for it. Yeah, don't attack us.
0: You know, it's just, he was too quick to pull the trigger on it. He was. Because, you know, if he hadn't made his comments, if he just made some comments of like, yeah, I wish this movie had done better. But, you know, sometimes they don't. We'll just wait till we get those streaming numbers. Like, that's what his publicist needs to drill into his head.
5: That if anybody
0: comments and goes, hey, your movie's not doing well at the box office. He just needs to say every single time, you know, I get that. I understand it. It really, you know, really sucks that it's not performing as well because I really stand behind my film and I really wish people more people would see it. But, you know, times are tough right now. A lot of shit's going on. You know, let's wait till these streaming numbers come in and then we can then I can really judge to whether or not I connected with my audience. Bam."
4: Yeah. I don't know. Try being relatable. Like, oh, well, there's a lot more important things going on in people's lives right now than seeing my movie. So do I want people to see my movie? Yes. And, and, you know, maybe they will find time to see it when it comes to streaming. But I know a lot of people out there going through things. I know a lot of people out there, you know, got sick family members and stuff like that. This is a crazy time for not only cinema, but for just people. So, you know, if, you know, less people are seeing my movie because they're more concerned with being safe, well, then they're making the right decision, you know? Or I hope that they catch it on HBO Max. Or at least, you throw,
0: know, throw a line in there of, I'm just happy that the people that want to see my movie finally can.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, he just comes across like so pretentious,
0: like, uh, 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 Christopher Nolan did when in, uh, what, what the fuck was that movie, Tenet? When that yes. came out in the middle of the beginning of the pandemic. And he's like, and Warner Brothers is like, hey, next year we're going to go streaming. And he's like, fuck you, Warner Brothers. My movies can't be on streaming. So no other, like, because just, you know, my movies are made for the theater and other directors do this too. And just, that's the worst thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. And it's like, do you, so you just want nobody to see your fucking movie for another year? Like, is that what you're saying? Like, legitimately, <laughs> you just want no one to be able to fucking watch your movie? Like, the world does not revolve around Christopher Nolan fucking movie releases. I know exactly, I know he likes to think that because his movies tend to do very well at the box office, but. You know, like Dunkirk, I'll admit, I didn't watch Dunkirk in theaters. Like, You know, I I skipped that one in theaters. I watched it later. I wish I had done that with Tenet. I don't think it was worth risking my damn life. I feel fucking dumb for watching Tenet in theaters now. Granted, there was like three of us (laughs) in that entire fucking theater. It's like a 200-seat theater. There's three of us. And I'm like, man, why the fuck did I do that? It was not worth it.
2: <laughs> you know? Oh like good old sonette. It's, it's it what
0: and, and don't get me wrong. Like this was like I said, I I don't hate this movie. I think it's
2: fine. I think it's 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 good. It's I don't think it's great, but I think it's really good. And I'm just like, chill out, bro. Like you could have just done
0: gangbusters on, on HBO Max. This wasn't even in the, the trending. Because I think people just don't care now. I think he just. I think he shot himself in the foot. This man Red rifle, Like Red Rider Or whatever the fuck it was. BB gunned his fucking
2: self. Like he just shot himself in the damn eye. What was it? The Red Rifle BB gun? What the fuck is it? I've seen that movie like 90,000 times. Why can I not remember what BB gun it was? Is it a Red Ryder BB gun? You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm just trying trying to remember. remember. (laughs) Like
0: I should know because I hate that movie. And it's because I have seen it 9,000 times. Because my fucking mother, every Christmas, would just put it on TNT or TBS... Or whatever the fuck channel it was that just shows this movie for like 72 hours straight. And we weren't allowed to change the channel. <laughs> so it was just like nonstop streaming a Christmas story in my fucking house every Christmas.
1: It is a
2: Red Rider, by the way.
0: Red Rider, Red Rider BB gun.
2: Yeah, I'm just like, man, why couldn't I remember it? But he did, he's fucking shot his eye out. Like, oh
0: man anyway anything else any other thoughts about this movie or Ridley
2: Scott <laughs> no I'm good <laughs> podcasters <laughs> <laughs> alright on that note thank you guys for listening to this episode
0: of the <laughs> Cinema Slayers podcast check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook where we're a Cinema Slayers podcast, Twitter where we're a Cinema, Twitter and Instagram where or are, uh, TikTok where we're a Cinema Slayers Pod. Uh, give us a five star rating review, we'd really appreciate that. And even though I am kind of annoyed with Spotify at the moment, uh, apparently you can give ratings and reviews in 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 Spotify now. I know that used to not be the case, but apparently you now can give reviews in Spotify. So if you listen to us there, supposedly you're supposed to be able to do that there. I don't know. I've never i I don't use Spotify. But that's what I've heard. So maybe do that if you can. Uh, Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those mothers because
2: they like brutal medieval fight sequences. That's like the only thing that I feel comfortable enough about this movie to say they like. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna go with that. Um so yeah. Tell them about this movie because
0: and this podcast, cause medieval fight sequences. Um uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mudocho for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh I don't know, something, 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 something. And as always in the podcast and the TikToks, <laughs> just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner.
4: Wow, I can't. I'm trying to. Somebody else anything to pull from either.
0: Oh, no, that's not what I meant um, to do. I meant to unmute and I hit the song. Let's do it again. <laughs> Somebody else Nobody knows anything
1: but you. Alright. How
4: about this? Are you ready? I won't sing, but I'll spit some cinema slayer. Really, Scott. You gotta ask those inner questions, Ridley. Ask those inner questions, man.
3: for you ask those outer ones. That's a
0: that's
2: a it's
0: a weird thing to to have a fight too, Justin. <laughs> I thought you were gonna sing like Mama said, knock you out, or something.
4: <laughs> or what was the song in the Night's Tale?
0: Fuck that movie.
4: Um, <laughs> just, uh, what was that song though? Was it, it We Were the- it
1: Everything about that movie. We-
4: Yeah, it was We Will Rock You. You're right. They did that. I'm surprised that that didn't make your worst list.
0: Man, and they did some other fucking song at that dance when they're like dancing to medieval music and it just like turns into a door song or some shit. Yeah. God, that movie is so funny. I think it was
4: We Will Rock You. I think that was, was, was wasn't the crowd going boom, boom, clap, boom, boom, clap? Wasn't the
5: crowd doing it? Yeah, I was. How would they know that?
1: And
0: then you've got Freddie Mercury doing his little song over it.
3: Oh, that
5: movie
0: sucks so hard because of that shit.
3: God, it's terrible. Oh. I hated. Okay.
0: Everything about that movie. (laughs) Just so much. Oh, my God. Just, man, fuck you. Just (laughs) fuck right off. See, this is why men shouldn't have microphones. They say shit like that. <laughs>
4: night's tale. <'Cause>, night's tale. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to. Yeah, you, you can go ahead and I'll send the microphone to you, man. I deserve it.
0: Fuck, man. I'm going to have nightmares tonight now. I'm just gonna be. It's gonna be per, like doing the jousting scene from this movie, but the crowd's gonna be
2: going doom doom, doom doom. Ugh.
3: Yeah, boy.
2: God, and that's yeah. what the
0: trailer was too. The trailer was like, "Yeah, look at this medieval. We will rock you." Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh God, I am. I am infumed.
0: I don't know if that's the right word for oh it, boy. but that's what I am infumed.
4: Man, everybody, man! But I just remember, man, Shut the fuck uh, up. us working at the theater, <laughs> man, and all the girls was was on that movie though. Remember, like all the, because um, Heath Ledger was in it, man. Yeah, it was and Heath in his
1: prime. Yeah,
4: yeah, he couldn't do any wrong, and I just remember, man, couldn't the ladies loved that one. The ladies loved it. We we will rock you, bro. Whatever. I I was watching it and they started going, the crowd started going, boom, boom, clap, I win. What is this? Why would the crowd be doing that? I was so mad. Anyway,
0: yeah. The one redeeming factor of that movie was Shannon Sossaman.
2: I liked all the side characters
1: better than Heath in that movie. And, you know, I love me some Heath Ledger, but... I thought the side characters were more interesting in that movie.
0: I completely disagree because they did all the wrong shit, too.
1: <laughs> you got your Paul Bettany. You got your. Um, is it Stanley Tucci? Something Tucci.
0: Alan Tucci.
1: That guy. Alan Tucci. Sorry. Yeah.
2: You, had a bunch you got your of guy bullshit. who played.
1: What's his face in Game of Thrones? He played the king. I can't remember his name.
2: Yeah, he played Robert Baratheon. Yeah. Your Mark Addy. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. A bunch of highly respectable actors in a garbage ass fucking movie. <laughs> anyway, I'm out.